0: Hi, this is the View from the Farm podcast. I'm ag journalist and farmer Ben Harold, and uh, yeah, I have a lot to talk about here. We've got the latest uh, WASDE report came out from the USDA. It's the World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimate, which I'm, I'm pretty impressed I pulled that off off the cuff. I started in saying that acronym, what it was, and I, I kind of was halfway through not sure I was going to land the plane, but we... Got through that anyway, but yeah, we've got a lot to talk about there. Impact on the markets from what we're seeing from the USDA in terms of uh, supply side and demand side. Some some news there, I think some of the yield adjustments caught people's attention. Uh, obviously some information about exports, a lot to talk about there. It's uh, something I know a lot of farmers have been talking about out there, trying to get a handle on these markets as we work through harvest time and uh yeah it's a lot lot to talk about out there i'm, I'm curious always how how harvest is going in your neck of the woods wherever you might be listening and I know just yeah, the of course the name of this is the View from the Farm podcast and the, the view from my family's farm up there in, in North Missouri. We're making good progress on the soybeans, getting getting about around halfway done on soybean harvest. Still got some some corn out there, of course, as well. But yeah, it's been, been a pretty good weekend and week of harvest. The the temperatures got cooler. It's kind of getting more of that crisp fall feel, you know, starting to get the leaves turning and all that. And there's there's been some rain chances here the last couple. Couple days, mostly mostly ducked those. I you know I think we caught three tenths uh, a few days ago, and that honestly things were getting dry enough that kind of helped the cause as much as anything. But yeah, if, if we do catch some rains, you know it'll be a little break, chance to kind of reset. But uh, otherwise, been been making good harvest progress. I know that's been the case in a lot of parts of of Missouri and the, in a lot of parts of the country for sure across this big beautiful agricultural country we've got and a lot lot of news going on out there too and, and obviously we'll get into some of the harvest progress numbers along the way but yeah I do want to touch on those those Wazdy numbers and kind of what it might mean for some of the crop markets and um, kind of got some generally bullish numbers there and then gonna give the the update on the drought of course we've been been tracking that here on the podcast and I know there's just, you know, hearing, hearing from people, you know, water supplies, ponds, it's the the threats ongoing, even if, you know, the, the crops have, have done what they're going to do and we're working through harvest time. But yeah, still a lot of drought across the country. It's, you know, impacting Mississippi River levels and just a lot, a lot of issues for sure out there. So we'll be be talking about that. And then, uh, yeah, going to give kind of, like I say, the updated numbers on what we're seeing with the uh, Harvest progress gonna look at corn and soybeans and and cotton and rice. Those are you know some of the big big crops here in Missouri, but really in in a lot of states, you know, cash receipts wise, that's quite quite a bit what we what we have here and and things we want to look at. But then going to touch on some of the stories I've been working on for Missouri Farmer today. I, I think there's an interesting one. I at least it was interesting to me. But writing about the census of agriculture. And those forms, I know we're, we're getting mailed out late in 2022 and, you know, a lot of you filled out those forms and, you know, kind of provides that snapshot of the the country and agriculture and uh, going gonna to talk about that, a little bit of the history behind that and kind of the, I guess, the importance of the census, you know, obviously I'm a I'm kind of a numbers nerd guy, a history nerd. I love kind of following the the trends and how, you know, agriculture's changed through the the decades and the centuries, but going to touch on kind of the the practical applications of that and the importance of that and kind of how to go about doing the census. But yeah, talking about that, and then we're going to touch on a little bit about uh, livestock building ventilation, always kind of a common topic as we head into the wintertime. And so that'll be be something we'll, uh, yeah, have, uh, have plenty of ground to cover there, but Anyway, um yeah, I think that should kind of give you the rundown, so you might as well set sail here anyway. And uh, just to give again the timestamp, it's October twelfth here in the afternoon. I'm looking at some some steely gray skies and, and a breezy October day, but yeah, no no rain at the moment. But yeah, let's 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 set sail here, start with these WASD numbers. Uh gonna start with soybeans. I think they maybe had the, the biggest uh impact from it, I I would say. Um so soybean markets, you know, definitely saw that reflected in them. They they jumped higher today on Thursday, um, definitely fueled by a, a bullish WASDI report. It was uh viewed, I think, pretty positively as far as what it means with um soybeans. Uh you know, if we look at you know, some of the bullish surprises, if you will, in the report. And, you know, I, I think it's again, we've talked about a lot, I should I should have a sign that I tap here. So, so if, you know, if this were a visual medium, and I wouldn't have to keep repeating myself, I'm sure. But just, you know, it's, it's a lot of times, these reports, and the impact on the market is kind of, you know, there's a certain expectation from analysts what the numbers are going to show. And then it's, you know, do do the numbers beat expectations? Is it worse than expectations? Just kind of, you know, how how do things stack up against sort of what we're expecting? Because that's kind of what the market's more or less priced in with with everyone sort of knowing, you know, a lot of times there will be movement on, you know, WASDE day, WASDI release day, no matter what. But, uh, yes, yeah, as, as far as some of those surprises on the soybean side. um the the yield I think is one a lot of people have been watching and they they have yield at forty nine point six bushels per acre for the the national average and that was uh, quite a bit below so the, these monthly WASD reports last month it was fifty point one bushels per acre and i think there was a general idea that you know with, with some of the ongoing dry conditions that you know they probably would move that soybean yield average a little lower maybe kind of take it below that sort of that 50 number 50.0 50. in our mind that's such a big big significant even number but um they did that and they, they did that and then some and i think instead of you know, going from like the 50.1 bushel per acre average estimate to, you know, 49.9 or something just under 50. They took it on down to 49.6. And obviously, when you think about the entire U.S. soybean crop, every tenth of a bushel per acre can can add up in a hurry. So, yeah, it was a pretty significant reduction there. Um, so yeah, obviously reduced, uh, production there, um, estimated production. As far as the ending stocks, we, we didn't see any increase in those or, or decrease. They kind of held steady, um, 220, uh, million, um, on that. And that's, that's a little below, I think some of the expectations, but just kind of general, you know, a little bit status quo there. I I think, um, some of that adjustment came from, you know, kind of looking at the demand side anyway, because it's, you know, the, the $220 million is a pretty tight ending stock number. But, you know, if, if if you do see any demand increases abroad, that would be, you know, more, more fuel for the fire when it comes to soybean markets. But, um, you know, China here lately has been a pretty active buyer. Uh, you know, they, they didn't, you know, at the end, make any major adjustments in this report from the um, export side of the equation, but it is kind of, you know, just looking on the horizon a little bit. Obviously China is a pretty, pretty enormous market there. And so I think that, you know, kind of drew a lot of people's attention to, you know, if, if they do continue to buy and things like that. But let's see here, what else on the soybean side of things? Um, they, they did cut, uh, the export, um, expectation about 35 million bushels. So that was, you know, why I think the carryout stayed at that 220 million bushel mark. Um, so cutting production, but cutting exports as well. But then, you know, the the production for the US, I mean, as harvest is here, it kind of is what it is, but the, the export side could see a bump, um, you know, from... China or anywhere else looking to buy more soybeans. So I think there's kind of that, you know, a little bit of positivity, but then that potential for more positivity. And we're kind of in a, a tight, you know, tight supply somewhat situation anyway. So I think, you know, there there was a lot there that kind of soybean markets could see and want to jump and run on for sure there. And obviously, you know, I, I think part of the reason China's looking to buy more U.S. soybeans is Brazilian supply is kind of dwindling and, you know, there's, it's, it's kind of, if you look at South America, you know, obviously it's, it's wild to think about even still for me at 36 years old, but they have the opposite seasons down there. And so, you know, as we're going into fall, they're kind of looking at spring and and that type of thing, but it is pretty dry down there right now. Argentina is still very dry. Northern Brazil kind of dry, but then Southern Brazil is kind of too wet. So it's, that's sort of the, the rub of farming. And I'm sure, you know, Brazilian farmers feeling it too. There's there's areas too dry, areas too wet. And sometimes it almost seems like you get both. I know some of our soybeans uh, on the family farm we were harvesting, you know, it was some dry conditions and drought we battled this year and the, the beans hung in there pretty good. But then, you know, some of the beans along the creek, uh, you know, I think it was in August, we had like a six to eight inch rain across the area and so the creek got out and you know ran water over a lot of the beans and so you're kind of kind of getting hit from uh, nature on both sides there a little bit and obviously bigger bigger area but looking you know a country like brazil and you know country like the u.s too but you you see that you know it's it's areas are too wet or too dry and sometimes they aren't even that far apart but yeah i think that's kind of the the rundown on beans, I, you know, I want to look at corn a little bit, too. I, I think, you know, the, the USDA, the, the WASDE report today was fairly favorable to corn as well. I, I think, you know, strengthening the soybean market kind of helps, you know, corn can kind of draft off that a little bit. But it was, you know, decent gains today for corn. Um, the expected corn yield got lowered to 173.0 bushels per acre, which is down eight-tenths of a bushel from last month. And again, a little bit below market expectations. So they did they did cut the expected corn yield average for the country, and they, they cut it a little bit more, I think, than people were thinking. Uh, I think, you know, looking at yield losses from last year, some some pretty major corn producing states uh saw reductions in yields. Uh, my my home state, Missouri, it was uh, uh, down well, more than 12% from last year is what they're looking at on corn yields. So definitely dropping there. Minnesota over 8%. Illinois about 6.5% reduction. Obviously, that's a very, very productive state over there. So, you know, some, some pretty significant cuts in some important corn states and, you know, just hot and dry weather. And, yeah, it's, I, I think you know a lot of people going into harvest with pretty low expectations and there's you know maybe been some pleasant surprises i've heard from farmers who you know had a pretty pessimistic outlook where almost any any yield you get is a positive but i i think overall you know it's we, we know what kind of year it was in a lot of parts of the the corn belt for sure uh yeah i just want to touch on wheat then for sure um yeah, it was it was one of those things. I, I think, you know, overall, it was a bullish report in general. I think, you know, corn and soybeans had some, some concrete numbers that drove that. Wheat was a little bit more of a mixed bag, but it can kind of like, again, that... That effect where you just kind of are along for the ride a little bit, riding with the other crop markets when they're jumping up. But uh, as far as wheat carry out, um, they're looking at 669 million bushel, which was, you know, a little bit above expectations, above what it was in September. The, the world supply, the ending stocks um, were reduced a little bit and so um uh, global- wheat production it it did get cut. I was just going to see what number they took that to. yeah, seven hundred eighty three point four million metric tons that was about a four million metric ton cut. so you know they they did you know overall production cut a little bit, and so that's noteworthy for sure anyway, it wasn't quite the the big. Gold letter headline, I think that uh corn and beans had, you know, if you if you can quite call it that. But I, I do think um, you know, wheat going forward just to dabble in that market a little bit, as far as you know, whether they can keep the rally going, I think, you know, it's it's global news is it, pretty big. Um, you know, China's been kind of kicking the tires on some Uh, soft red winter wheat pricing uh you know there's the sort of the situation with the war in ukraine with ukraine and russia too you know before the war pretty major wheat exporting states and then obviously the the developments in the middle east you know there's just a lot of kind of global uncertainty and so that you know throws some uncertainty in the export picture but i i do know um yeah, as far as, you know, domestic demand, you know, inflation today, a little bit more than expected. So that kind of, you know, could cool off demand locally a little bit if, if inflation continues to become a challenge. But then the, of course, we've been talking about with wheat been falling up the U.S. dollar, you know, it's kind of climbing again today. It's been a pretty strong year for the U.S. dollar and that kind of, you know, pressures wheat. It pressures a lot of export efforts because it's, you know, the, these countries, they're buying around the world. You know, I, I think you know in theory quality is definitely part of the equation but then also you know differences in currency can affect who's got the most affordable product and so i think that's that's definitely something to to be watching there for sure but yeah that's was kind of the the gist of the report today i think that's kind of all the the notes i had there anyway but yeah it's definitely interesting as those reports come out once a month and kind of provide the updated picture and you know nothing wrong with getting a little boost to prices here especially anyone hauling hauling in crops to the elevator you know that's a nice nice little bonus you're getting for your efforts and or you know if you want to stash it in the bin for people doing that you know maybe down the road sets up the potential if you know we got these cuts to production if, if exports kind of creep up you know there's a an opportunity there and that's uh we'll, we'll take any opportunity we can get out there for for the farmers and um as far as numbers just one other thing kind of on the livestock side uh I did want to touch on for the the hogs the USDA had their their supply demand report in terms of uh pork production and for the third quarter they had u s pork production a little over seven billion pounds seven point one six five billion pounds if you're keeping a scorecard there at home and that's that was an increase of seven hundred five million um uh yeah seven hundred five million pounds and that's you know so almost a billion um there and that's that's the biggest jump uh that you know for that 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 quarter that time frame since 2019 fifth largest increase in 20 years so you know we we also saw the course the total 2023 production revised upward um up from 27.3 to 27.9 billion pounds for the the year so again pork production numbers climbing is the upshot there and i think it's you know been a been a pretty tough year for for hog producers out there and you know, having having too much of a, a supply, too much production flooding the market could definitely keep things challenging on that front. And so we'll be be watching the economic outlook. I kind of want to dive into that a little more next week because I know we kind of went a little long there breaking down the WASD report. But, yeah, it's, you know, we've been seeing historic pigs per litter numbers. It's, you know, production-wise, people are really good at, you know, hog production we're we're really good as an industry and with the the genetics and the management and all that and so you know have to be watching obviously exports could perk up and and can, you know continue to to help out there i you know the feed cost is a big part of the equation there as well and so you know like i say might dive into that a little more next week but just those those production numbers kind of came across my radar and i think it's worth worth noting kind of the the overall outlook there and the situation um, Want to move on? Check talk a, a little bit about the drought. Nothing, nothing big on the news there. I know there's been some rains moving across uh, really a lot of the country um, this week, or at least chances of it, and that might might provide some relief. Still got quite a bit of drought. Um, and the the Corn Belt, the upper Midwest, even kind of obviously getting in the, the middle Midwest, if you will, and then down around the, the Gulf Coast states, really some severe drought. And, you know, we've talked about the impacts that's had for the Mississippi River, increasing shipping costs and limiting how much they can get on each barge. It's just been really, really some headwinds there and and something to keep following. In terms of the areas in drought, the, you know, just looking at the U.S. drought monitor, the you know, high plain states kind of holding steady, Midwestern states more or less steady or a slight in, you know, slight differences there, maybe a little bit, but a slight improvement for some states, but really, you know, we'll we'll see if this week could bring some rain, kind of bring some relief, get these river levels pumped back up, ponds, water sources, it's just, it's it's been a challenge, and so I know, you know, we've kind of had some rain chances this week not really pan out too much, but there's some more in the forecast, so we'll hope. Getting some of that autumn precipitation might might begin to chip in a little bit, and I know, you know, I, I mentioned, of course, being based there, uh, North Missouri uh, on the farm, you know, just kind of looking northward again, Iowa. You know, we we talked about that some last week, but it's it's pretty rough there for sure, and just in terms of, you know, the whole state is either abnormally drier in drought, and basically ninety six percent, so virtually all of the state is officially in drought status, and it's. You know, really, I mean, even it's just a small amount of the states just in regular level one drought because we've got you know two thirds of Iowa's in that second level, the severe drought. Still, twenty seven percent extreme drought, and even three percent in that top level exceptional drought. That's just, again, as the name implies, it's the exception. It's it's incredibly rare to you know hit that that level of drought, and that's really centered, I you know, eastern Iowa is pretty much baked up and down and kind of that central part of eastern Iowa is really hitting some some bad drought but then it's it's all you know it's about everywhere it's you know western Iowa is super dry too and going up and down the Missouri River on that side of the state and so it's it's the the challenges continue there and something we'll we'll keep talking about it because I know it can, continues to affect a lot of producers out there and we'll we'll hope for something better on that front but yeah it's I mean looking at that map now it's a lot of red a lot of dark colors for sure and that you know just looking i know we talked a little bit last week about uh, thinking again the gulf coast states or the southern states and um louisiana just especially really the bottom two-thirds of louisiana is just stuck in pretty severe high levels of drought the the extreme drought the exceptional drought and those uh numbers have have been kind of holding pretty tough there so we'll see if uh you know those gulf coast states louisiana texas mississippi if they can get some relief here we'll be watching the weather maps and yeah i I think a lot of a lot of fingers crossed maybe for the weekend we we take some breaks in harvest progress to be able to get some rain that's for sure which, uh, yeah, kind of leads us in, speaking of harvest progress, want to kind of update on that anyway, and I've got the chart call up here, and it's actually, um, yeah, have the, the cotton section call up first, so we'll just hit on that first, and then, Uh, kind of work our way back around the corn and beans but yeah just looking at the uh, you know the USDA groups the the 15 states that are kind of responsible for 99 percent of the cotton acreage so basically you're you're it's more or less a look at the national cotton harvest progress but uh last report um let's see when this was released here. What's the date? yeah, October tenth so released just two days ago, so we got the the fresh numbers here anyway, but yeah, we're up to eighty two percent uh cotton bowls opened on the the national cotton crop and twenty five percent harvested, so we kind of hit that quarter mark um the state farthest along Louisiana is up to eighty four percent of cotton harvested. And then uh, my state, Missouri, 23%. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely places, north, the Carolinas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, places like that are kind of still in the early stages, but we're kind of getting into the, the full swing of the cotton harvest there. And so we'll be seeing, um, you know, kind of what what comes of that, what types of things we see. But it's it's been an interesting year again, a uh, sunshine loving crop like cotton, but then also... You know severe drought in places and the the costs of irrigation and things like that and yeah, it's just been, been a lot to balance for sure. I think, I think, you know, speaking for the, the Missouri cotton crop with, you know, it's almost all irrigated and it's been, I I would say it sounds like a pretty good year for that. There there was talk for a while, it could maybe be a home run type year, but then, you know, we kind of had some, some gray rainy days in August and that maybe took a little top end potential off, but yeah, overall getting, getting into the swing on the harvest for the, uh, the cotton and then let's why we're thinking more southern crops here let's touch on rice a little bit um yeah that's uh basically you got six states that are all the rice production in the u.s which is um arkansas missouri california louisiana mississippi and texas so kind of that mississippi river delta region if you will then getting down there in the south and then out there in California, they they basically grow everything in California. I'm convinced, you know, it's their, their USDA numbers. It's you know, dozens and dozens of different types of fruits, vegetables. They got, you know, that that's our number one dairy state actually is California. W- Wisconsin, I think we associate with dairy and it's still a, a big dairy producing state. But yeah, California is a top dairy state and they got, they got a lot, a lot of agriculture going on out there. But yeah on the the rice side of things rice harvest up to eighty two percent for the the country pretty much every state's pretty far along except california obviously a little a little different climate out there they're only thirty percent harvested on rice but you know louisiana mississippi ninety nine percent arkansas eighty nine uh missouri up to seventy nine percent and that actually was sixty five percent a week ago so pretty pretty big jump forward on the harvest the uh, rice harvest in missouri so yeah Moving forward, there again, it's similar to to cotton, I think um, a, a good year, uh, probably actually a little better, even like a pretty pretty good year from what I've heard about the the rice production here in Missouri from my my sources down there in southeast Missouri where they they grow rice. But yeah, pretty pretty good year there, and, and definitely making some progress on that uh, on that harvest. And then let's yeah, let's just touch on real quick the. The corn and soybean side of things, definitely the the bread and butter, I know, for a lot of people out there in, in Missouri, Iowa, Illinois, across the middle middle part, the heartland of the country. But, yeah, looking again, the top 18 corn states, so about 94% of the, the nation's corn crop, right about the third mark, uh, one-third of the way mark on harvest, 34% for the country. Obviously, some southern states are pretty far along there, but we're seeing... Um, yeah, those numbers kind of climb in all the states, and again, kind of a, a, a rainy week in a lot of places. I know, you know, a few places have missed rains, but really been been kind of a rainy week. So I could see kind of progress kind of slowing down a little bit. But you know, we're we're ahead of the the pace for the five year average. We're ahead of last year, so you know, kind of catching a little breather. There'd be nothing wrong with that, but. Anyway, yeah, just looking at, uh give you my state, we're up to 56%, so we leapt pretty good, it was 42% a week ago, but yeah, Missouri passed the halfway point on, on corn harvest there, the the big old corn producing state to North Iowa, they're 30% done with corn harvest, so yeah, we're trucking right along uh, the other I states, Indiana, 21%, Illinois, 42%. So yeah, we're definitely seeing some some good progress there on the corn front. And uh, yeah, let's just touch on soybeans then too. Like I say, they're they're coming out fast and furious uh, on the Herald farm anyway. But yeah, 43% for the, the nationwide look. Um, you know, that's again ahead. It was 37% for the five-year average. And it's about in line. Last year was about 41% of soybean ho- crop was harvested at this point kind of interesting so the previous week's report was 23 percent nationally harvested now up to 43 percent so october has been the the green light on the on soybean harvest it seems we're definitely making some pretty big progress inching closer to that halfway point and yeah a lot of that progress now will just be dependent on rain but Anyway, yeah, that's kind of the the rundown there. And it's a lot of numbers. I appreciate you kind of hanging in there. But yeah, basically we're we're making some some good headway there. We're past halfway as a country on corn harvest and getting close on soybeans. And obviously there's a lot of states, you know, Midwest, Upper Midwest, where it's you know, we're more like 20, 30 percent done on some of those crops. So still, still plenty of harvest to go, and definitely be exciting to be watching that come in and continue to get some some yield numbers. Uh, just, yeah, to give you right quick some stories I worked on for Missouri Farmer Today this week. Um, the Census of Agriculture story was kind of interesting. It was, uh, I guess those of you who filled it out, and it was like a 24-page questionnaire, I think. And they, you know, mail that out to people a couple times, do follow-up phone calls. If there's a really big kind of known farm, they, they might do a site visit just knock on the door and ask you to fill out a census form. But anyway, yeah, I got to talk with Bradley Suma there with USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service or NAS for the acronym. He's a regional director for Missouri, Illinois. And yeah, he was talking about, you know, the the goal, assuming no, you know, government shutdowns or anything like that, is to get the results out in February, this coming February 2024 which is kind of crazy to think about. We're on the doorstep of 2024. But anyway, yeah, it's it's always interesting, provides the picture. You get, you know, the number of farms, the size of farms, the demographics, uh, you know, kind of a, a common narrative, common theme here lately has been the increasing age of the farmer. the average age. I think that's up over 60 now, I'm all but certain. And so that'll probably be up again. I know you know, the the census, it's interesting. It, it paints a picture, you know, the size of farms, you know, getting a little bigger, the number of farms staying about the same size and more on that in a second, kind of the nuance behind that. But, you know, it, it can, the importance of this, it can drive policy. You know, you, you see that average age of a farmer going up and they're, you know, they're going to look to find ways to support young and beginning farmers, help get them in the game. And, you know, then as far as, just kind of allocating FSA dollars and resources knowing farmers per state and even they take it down per county because you know some of the numbers on production they kind of line up with the USDA's you know annual estimates and the census of agriculture is every five years but you just get a way more granular kind of lower level you know county by county level look at, at all these different things and statistics and it is pretty pretty interesting to see and you know those those larger farms, the largest farms, kind of responsible for more and more of the the market share, if you will, for some of these different crops is another another trend we see. But yet that that n- number of farms stays the same. It, it kind of comes with a little bit of an asterisk because we we continue to have about two million farms in the U.S. and that's that's pretty cool, right? One one thing about it, they define a farm is a farm that uh it has a thousand dollars in annual revenue or the ability to have that. If normally you have more than a thousand, it's like a total crop failure or something. But anyway, that that thousand dollar is the number. And you know that, that number stayed the same for 50 years. And so just with you know inflation things, you think about you know things that didn't count as a farm per se in nineteen seventy three would count now because it was you know, a lot harder for a piece of land to get to the $1,000 revenue point back then versus like today, you know, because it's not adjusted for inflation or anything like that. So, you know, that's probably one reason we, we, as we continue to see consolidation in farms, maybe one reason why, you know, we don't see the the total number of farms decline, even if the average size of farms goes up is more stuff kind of on that bottom end might get counted as a farm just, you know, because... Doesn't take a whole lot in this day and age, a thousand bucks, you know, not that I'm going to hand out a thousand bucks to anyone or be in a position to do that, but you know, you can get a lot of, even, you know, he was talking about Missouri versus Illinois with the different average size of a farm. Cause you know, there's a lot of small acreages in CRP that can count as a farm in Missouri because you don't have to have too much land in CRP to get to that thousand dollar mark. And so obviously uh, big flat wide open Illinois has got some big corn and soybean farms on it and not not nearly as much uh, on the CRP perspective and so that's yeah it's something about the census of agriculture it shows how agriculture looks different in different states different counties it's it's pretty fascinating it's kind of a historical document too it's uh more than 200 years now the U.S. has been counting farmers because We have our our every 10-year population census that, you know, last one was in 2020. And, you know, they count all the people in the United States and tallied up by state and everything like that. And county or cities update their population city limit signs based on the census results. And but starting in 1820, they would ask people, census takers would ask how many people in the household are involved in agricultural pursuits So for the first time, starting in 1820, we started to count how many farmers, basically, how many people in agriculture in the country. And they kept doing that for a a few census uh, years, you know, every 10 years, 1820, 1830. But then I think it was 1840 after that, they they eventually got it to become its own census. Um, Well, I guess, yeah, 1840, they started using separate census forms, like, okay, we have our population census, here's our ag census forms and then eventually along the way it kind of becomes its own its own census separate from the population census and they took it every five years it used to be years that ended in four or nine so like 1954 1959 1964 that kind of thing but then it got shifted and eventually now it's settled where it is now years to end in two or seven have an ag census so we had one in 2017 and then this one in 2022 and then it's it's a lot of work to tabulate the results and make sure there's, you know, no confidentiality issues or anything. If, you know, there's one producer who grows a certain crop in a county, you don't want to report exactly how many head of the animal or how many acres of the crop they have or anything like that. But anyway, they go through that process and, you know, talking with uh, Bradley Suma there, he says usually the the USDA they're talking about data sets in the tens of thousands and this is, you know, 3 million people they're mailing out this form to and dealing with the results and so takes a while 2022 census getting you know collected in late 2022 we get the results in early 2024 but it is it's just interesting it shows our our shifting you know industry through the years a pretty massive important industry for the country and so I think it's it's really cool to get to see that but anyway yeah that's kind of the rundown there did a winter building ventilation story too just the importance of you know, it's, it falls a super busy time, especially for diversified farms, working through harvest and 10 million other things. But just taking the time, you know, checking your your air inlets, your vents, your fans – you know the the importance in the wintertime of keeping humidity down because it can you know diseases viruses can hang in the air a lot longer if it's too humid in the building and it can cause damage to the the building and, and different things like that you know cause the wood to rot and things like that if it's super humid in there so definitely something to, to keep uh, keep in mind that that story will be in Missouri farmer today Iowa farmer Day and Illinois farmer Day so it has a little more breakdown tidbits in there but anyway yeah I should wrap this up I've been talking about censuses and uh, USDA reports, long enough today, I think. But anyway, next week we got uh, I've got some harvest stories I'll be working on for Reserve Farmer today, and so it'll be kind of interesting to get a little more of that. We'll talk some more about harvest and some of the news, and hopefully checking on this Mississippi River situation, and see if we can get some, some better news there, get some rainfall going. But anyway, awesome uh, to get to hear, hopefully, that uh, get awesome to have all of you listening. I should say I shouldn't describe this podcast as awesome just yet, but we're working on it. But thanks for listening and yeah, good luck out there with harvest. Hopefully everyone's keeping, keeping going on that and making good progress and hopefully maybe getting a few pleasant surprises from the yields out there. This has been the View from the Farm podcast and thanks for listening.